You're listening to Rocket Night. Okay, this welcome to Anita Stewart's podcast for Yes, She Rocks, and we are a regular column featured at Rocket Night. You can find Rocket Night at rocketnight.com and Yes, She Rocks at yesshewrocks.com. And, of course, all the socials for both on Twitter and Facebook. Um, we want to say happy birthday to Janice Joplin. This coming up January 19th. Uh, will make it her 73rd birthday. And we want to welcome Flash Silvermoon as our guest. Thanks so much for being here. Well, it's my pleasure. I love to talk about Janice and music and rock and roll. Awesome. Flash's book is titled Janice Joplin and Me, 40 Years of Music and Magic. Um, and it's, I've been reading through it. It's incredible, especially the way that she's still making her presence known. Yeah. So let's, um, Flash, yeah, definitely. Flash, let's talk first about how this whole book got put together and, and what was the catalyst in making you write the book. Sure. Well, if, I, I love Janice from the very beginning <clears throat> and saw her and actually met her, all that and we can get to that later, but she came to me, oh, a month after she died in a vision, and she just rocked me awake, and she, uh, she was very pissed because she wanted me to make sure that people know that she did not kill herself, that in fact she was, as she put it, murdered. Now, I was kind of shocked, and I was 21 years old at the time, and I thought, oh, sure, people are going to believe me. Who am I, right. and why me? Well, of course, as my life has moved along, I totally understand why me, and it makes total sense that this happened in the way it did because I am a musician, and basically, Janice, she opened the door for my spiritual work. I was doing some, but she kind of pushed me through into the deep end of the pool and uh, said, wow. check this out. I, I was not a medium at the time. I had never spoken to dead people, and boy, did she show me <laughs> some things. And the main thing was that she wanted me to make sure that I let people know what happened to her. And that was the whole thrust of the beginning. And when I thought about it, when it first happened, I thought to myself, well, isn't it just like Red China, where they killed all the cultural heroes, and they killed the scientists and the doctors and all that? Maybe with Jimi Hendrix dying 
two weeks before, and then <clears throat> Jim Morrison dying not too long after, and of course John Lennon, and we lost so many people. We lost Malcolm X, we lost Martin Luther King, we lost the Kennedys, so many wiped out, assassinated. And I put it together and I thought, Bye. just maybe, just maybe that was what this whole plan was about because that's the first thing I felt when <clears throat> I knew she died. Of course, it hit me like right. a ton of bricks. And um, so that was the beginning of feeling that things weren't right and from her own words, her own vision, she showed me the image of the guy who killed her. And as time wow. went on, every time I played a concert in New York, she would do funny little things that people would always go like, <gasps> she would shatter glasses of whatever I was drinking on top of the piano. They didn't fall off the piano. Oh, wow. They would shatter in place on top of the keyboards. And it was always done with just weird enough timing and energy that people watching would go, holy crap, (laughs) what was that? Never never did it just slide by. When you think about... When you think about shattering glass, you really you usually think of something like Ella Fitzgerald's voice yes. or, you yes. know, some of the other, you know, that's the first thing you think of is how they can shatter glass. So, well, that's, it took uh, many, what about the life many, affirming? Many years it took me to figure out what the broken glass was about. And I realized wow. that finally, after the last glass that she shattered, which was lead crystal, and there was a mason jar next to it that was fine. I realized that she was singing, but in another place. Dimension? Yeah, yeah. another place. And that dimension wow. was shattering glass. And if that was the end what of the shattering the glass. Other, excuse me? What were some of the other life-affirming things that she did to make her presence known? Um, after she was already gone? Well, she saved my life at least three times that I know about. I was living in an apartment in New York City on the, uh, well, I thought I was living in the Upper West Side, but I was on the edge of Spanish Harlem. And it was a four-flight walk-up. And um, to make a long story short, she kind of woke me up. I was almost asleep. And she just made a noise where I knew she would come from time to time. And it woke me up, and it startled me, and I started smelling uh, something burning. And I got out of bed. Oh, God. And um, mm. meanwhile, you know, <laughs> I'm on a four-flight walk-up with no telephone. And I got all my roommates out because I opened the door to the hallway, and it was full of smoke. And this is 4.30 in the morning. I got everybody out, got to the telephone, called the fire department. And the fire chief came over, and he said, well, whoever called this in just saved everybody's life. said, your boiler was about to blow here. So that was was the first life save. Then it was, you know, totally clear as a bell that that's Mm -hmm. exactly what happened. Yeah, none of the things that occurred took me 
fidgeting around with information to try to make it look that way. It was all just straight up the way it looked. And, um, yeah, basically, that became more and more a world that I was comfortable in, and my psychic work shot through the roof. And actually, I started off with a career as a musician, a rock and roll musician, matter of fact. And uh, it became clear that I was actually not supposed to stop singing, but that I was supposed to guide my career more toward the mystical. Hmm. Which I have. So you believe she gave you that message um, in regards to basically the relationship that you've had with her, which has really been in the ethers this whole time. Yes. Now, I actually did meet her once. We could say it was by accident or we could say something else. It was one of those concerts, and I was quite stoned. And because of being that stoned, instead of walking out the back door, which I thought I was doing, I wound up going into her dressing room. And I swear it was an accident because I wound up in there thinking I was going out the back door, and I saw her in front of me, and I was shocked. But, of course, mm-hmm. what a good shock. And I walked over to her, and I just held her arm, and I told her how beautiful and wonderful she was. And she was just like the most amazing being on the planet. And she kind of giggled a little bit, and she said, well, here, have some of my drink. And she gave me her drink. And I'm not a drinker, but I thought it was going to be Southern Comfort, which I could barely tolerate. But, of course, when Janet right. Joplin offers you her drink, you drink it. As a matter of fact, if, right. you're 20, if you're 20 years old, you act like a big shot, and you drink the whole thing down at once. And right. there's, there's nothing like taking something you don't know and downing it. It was straight scotch. And I was doubled I, I over. I was doubled over, yeah. coughing and coughing and choking, and she's slapping me on the back and laughing her ass off, because it was real clear who was trying to be a big shot, and it wasn't Janice. Right. So yeah, it was. That, it, that you was, know, to me, scotch has always tasted like soap. It's always been something I've never been able to tolerate. So I would have. I probably would have done the same thing. But, yeah, um, I didn't know it was yeah because scotch. all of us, yeah, all of us knew she drank Southern Comfort. I mean, right. that was her drink of choice. Way. Well, apparently so. not. Apparently <laughs> <laughs> not, right? Or maybe the Scotch was all she had at the time, or something. Who knows? Well, but, whatever. Um, now, whatever. But it was it was now you, the surprise. Now, you've done quite a lot of music on your own, and you have CDs that you, that you sell on your site at flashsilvermoon.com, along sure with do. the e-book. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, tell us a little bit about how some of those songs can be compared. Well, I mean, I've been playing music since I was eight. Ironically, I started mm-hmm. on Halloween, interestingly enough. <laughs> And, um, you know, of course, what else, what else would I have done? And, um, oh, the song she wrote, Turtle Blues, is one of the few mm-hmm. that she actually wrote herself. 
and it's a blues song, 12-bar blues, and it's not too different from my song Slow Burn Blues, but anybody who has uh-huh. heard me play swears that I channel her, and uh, it's true. It is so very true. So how do you feel when you... When somebody, after you play one of one of your songs or one of her songs, and somebody says you've channeled her, how do you feel? Do you do you feel that coming on? Do you feel that presence when you're playing, or or do, yeah. do people have to tell you about? It? Well, after people well, have told it to me for years, I started agreeing. Um, I didn't disagree. It was just you know that's such a compliment. Um, uh, I was kind of humbled by it, but um, right, you know, I definitely could feel it, and I knew it was the truth, because she had started doing that every time I played for an interview in New York. Every time she started coming through, and she started playing with the breaking glass and all that. But um, I can feel it. Uh, I can feel my the sound in my voice shift a little bit, and my body vibrates. Right. And uh, wow. at the Wise Woman Festival, which is a women's festival that I produced for eight years, Wise Woman 2, I remember singing Peace in My Heart with my wonderful musical partner, Omi Aladora Ajamu, who has since passed. She and I, and also Catherine... White Star from Sarasota, we were all playing together and singing that song. And I swear we seemed like we were lifting the roof off. It was so intense. We started playing Peace of My Heart. And I know I can make my keyboards sound like Hendrix's guitar. And that's real fun mm-hmm. for me. So we were playing Peace of My Heart, and I was playing with the feedback at the very end of the song and letting it ring out, and then we started chanting, playing with the feedback, and the song went from being the song into this incredible, incredible experience of sound with voices and music. And it went from being musicians playing to an audience to everyone came into the circle. Everybody started chanting together. And... Omi nudged me, and she goes, Blash, Janice is here. I see her. And and (laughs) Omi Omi was an incredible medium. And she says, she is Uh on the ceiling. I see her. She is hovering over us, which I didn't doubt for a minute because the energy was so intense, and the music just bubbled up. And everybody remembers it. Anybody I've ever spoken to who was there, just shakes their head and go, oh, yeah, I remember that song. What, is, what else do you think of your repertoire uh, matches up with uh, something that she's done? Well, um, you know, Blessings a little bit because it's, it's very up-tempo, but mine is it's more funky. Blessings is a little bit more mm-hmm. like Stevie Wonder type sound, but the message is very uplifting and positive. And I kind of compare it a little bit to the cosmic blues, where she was kind of down, 
and saying, hey, it doesn't make no difference. You know, it's all going to be kind of screwed. You know, don't wait till Saturday. She called it the great Saturday night swindle. Um, right, right. But also mm. the song uh, Savor You Like Chocolate is very old bluesy. Uh-huh. And that came right I love that me. song. <laughs> right, right. That song went I love, 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 love. And, and, uh, and um, let me see if I can, I've got a clip of that also. Let me, let me play that. All right, like at least the beginning. When I first heard your music, when I connected with you, I remember this was the song that I played because I just, I just really loved this song. And everybody I knew that I played it for, they just loved it. So, yeah, I've always thought that it bit. should be a hit for somebody. Right, right, right. But here's a little bit of it. And most of my music, I'm playing all the instruments on it. I can't believe how fast the time has gone because we're, oh, I know. we're I know. almost barely spoken. But in short, I know that there's a lot of questions about uh, Janice's demise, and there were some really crooked things about her death that have been unexplained. Yeah, in short, can you tell us what's in your e-book and kind of, without giving everything away, but let us know um, some of the questions that people had about her demise. Well, the, the main thing, when I very first heard about it, they, she was found, and this particular report was erased from history shortly after it was put out. Mm-hmm. But they found her with 450 in her hand, clutching it, and with a broken nose and a split lip. Now they said, and then, no drugs, uh-huh. no works, no nothing. And yet she had died of an OD. So they say, but there was no foul play, they said. Nonsense. You know, they, they said that she fell out of bed and broke her nose and split her lip. And that's why she was still holding the 450 in her hand that she had gotten downstairs at her hotel. She had given the uh, guy at the desk $5 to get a pack of cigarettes. And that's the 450 was changed, yeah. that $5 bill. And I know... She had gone up those stairs, and somebody was waiting for her. And right. at the very least, was trying to scare her and hurt her. And, um, and we have to keep in mind, this is, this is all music industry stuff. This yes. is uh, how, how sometimes it's been operated like a, a mafia, and right. um, this is probably what, happened with her it was something that was done regarding her career that she disagreed with or something she wouldn't sign or well yes she wouldn't she she insisted on um forcing columbia records to let her Mm -hmm. use all her own people to record pearl and that could have been it just just that by itself right now just the fact she had her own people in there but we are Good. coming to the last couple of minutes. Very quickly, uh, let us know how we can order, how the listeners can order the ebook, and how they can find your music. 
Okay. Um, so the ebook is super easy. You go to flashsilvermoon.com, which is my website, and you click right there. It's only nine ninety five, and it'll wind up coming to you to your email. Boom, done. Okay. And it's a great read. It's it's exciting, and it's very mystical. There's loads of interesting stories there. If you love the '60s, you'll enjoy it too. And if you want to get music, same thing. You go to the website, flashsilvermoon.com, and click where it says music. Awesome. And, it'll and I, want to, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show. We love the music. Um, I, I really feel that this is so fitting for her birthday. And, you know, 73 yes. years old, can you imagine yes. what kind of music she would have left us if she had been allowed to live, and yes. what kind of body of work we have now, it's just uh, just amazing, amazing to think about. It was a very short um, life, but, but wow, what she left. And there would not be yeah, women in rock and roll without Janice, without Grace Slick, yeah, without she, people like them. She paved the way. They all paved the way for, yep. for women rockers everywhere. So thank you so much, Flash, and everybody make sure you check out rocketnight.com and yesshewalks.com. Our Yes She Rocks column is on Rocket Night, and check out Flash Silvermoon at flashsilvermoon.com. And we're going to close real quick. You're listening to Rock at Night. Thanks for the intro melody. It's called Get On Down by Billy Bass Alford. Thanks.